intentional walk to Barry Bonds. Two and two with the bases loaded and one out. Oh, oh my God. Deep to right field. Way up there and way out of here. Second deck walk off home run. Grand slam. Hello and welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Bases Loaded. Baseload is a fantasy baseball podcast, and I'm your host, Mike Curland. You can follow me on Twitter at Mike underscore Curland. And today, joined by a special guest host, Matt Williams of the Turn 2 podcast. Among other things, I'll let him introduce himself in a moment, but you can find him on Twitter at Matt Williams, but it's a little unique. It's Matt, and then the way he spells his last name is W-I-7-7-I-A-M-S. We discussed a little off air how unique that is and awesome that is, but thank you for joining the show. and. Welcome, man. Fantasy baseball is coming around. I see you're jumping back into the swing of things. But what else you got going on? I know you got a whole bunch of stuff going on. Hey, man. Yeah, thanks for having me on the show. Yeah, baseball. I'm so excited. Baseball is finally here. Uh, I do a lot of fantasy football on the side for anyone who follows me outside of baseball. I do a lot of fantasy football. So by getting into the swing of things, I have two different audiences to try to keep happy. And sometimes they don't like each other. So <laughs> they just have to deal with it. I told I put out on Twitter, this account's about to take a hard left towards baseball. So look out. And, uh, and I've been doing a player profile series on Twitter. Everyone should check that out. Um, they're just free, breaking down a bunch of guys. So I'm putting them out like every day. But, yeah, I'm pretty pumped um, to get back into baseball. And yeah, my Twitter handle, M-A-T-T-W-I-7-7-I-A-M-S, because as you can imagine, Matt Williams, not a unique name. No, I did not used to manage the Nationals. No, I did not used to play third base for the Giants. Um, not that Matt Williams, but, uh, yeah. So the seven just came in by necessity and it's pretty awesome. So my nickname everywhere is usually sevens now, but we're here to talk about baseball. Let's talk about baseball. Definitely. And honestly, kudos to you for doing two sports. Cause I just do baseball year round and that's well more than enough for me. So kudos to you for that. You told me you're a Mets fan, though, so I could see why you might want to get away from baseball every <laughs> every offseason. No, you know, baseball is the only 365-a-day um, sport. It It is amazing. I mean, I you know, I love football. Everyone who follows me for football, it's great. But, you know, as someone who's, um, you know, statistic and uh, sabermetric-minded, baseball is the sport. It's, it's definitely my first love and my passion. And as soon as as a team doesn't make the playoffs, you don't even care about the playoffs. You'll watch it because you love baseball. But then really, it's a magical day the day after the World Series ends because everyone's like, all right, off season, what do we need? And then the GM meetings happen, then the winter meetings happen, and then you're in this period right now where you're just like, when does pitchers and catchers come? So, yeah, it's a uh, – uh, you know, we were we were bad early in the year. The Mets, we had that period where we won like 17 of 18 in a row or something. It was pretty cool. So it was a, it was a cool year. We had Peter Alonso, rookie of the year. Uh, you know, Jacob Degrom, Cy Young. So even though it was a it was a you know a sad year, it was a lot of stuff that we'll probably never forget as far as Mets fans. The crazy thing is, is you had those two award-winning players and didn't make the playoffs. Yeah, well, it boils down to – I'm a Marlins to, fan, so, I mean, I can't, I can't talk a lot, but at least I have a couple hey, – uh, cha- You got the World's – yeah, you got the two championships. Uh, for we, we don't have to talk too much about the Mets, but, I mean, it, it boils down to the bullpen. Uh, oh, if yeah. They ha- I mean, I don't have the number off the top of my head. It's somewhere, like, in the 20s of blown saves, maybe over that, uh, most of them by Edwin Diaz. But if we blew – only three quarters of the saves we did, we would have made the playoffs by a million games. I mean, it, it, that was the big thing. And, and this year, it's still a lot of questions. Marks Edwin's coming back. They signed Batances. Has like, I guess, the ceiling to be 
one of the highest, um, one of the best bullpens, but also the floor could fall out. But uh, yeah, you know. Oh, I, I know this is not a pro. This is, I mean, we are actually very pro Mets podcast because two of my co-hosts are Mets fans. So you're not, you're not alone in this misery. Well, actually, you're actually way more optimistic. Those two commiserate in one another. They're constantly <laughs> like, they hate every Mets player. Like they, they're like, it's like they're bred to hate them. I'm like, dude, you should love these guys. They're like, no, we have zero expectations. You are the most optimistic Mets fan I've spoken to. It's a, it's a brush. For, for I, I'm hard on the team as far as fantasy baseball. I try not to get too invested. Last year, though, I did have Alonzo and McNeil everywhere, which ended up winning me a lot of championships. Mm-hmm. But um, pitching-wise, I'm, I'm pretty excited about the Mets from a fantasy standpoint. Stroman struggled when he came to Queens, but he, uh, he seems very comfortable where he is back home. You know, that's where he grew up. And, um, and he's been doing a lot of work in the offseason. I think his first full season in the National League and Rick Porcello coming over, again, he's not going to get a lot of strikeouts. That's a deep league thing. But if anyone followed him towards the end of the year, he figured some things out and you automatically get that, you know, half, half a run ERA drop from coming to the National League. Um, they could have some sneaky value. Noah Syndergaard's a guy I'm avoiding like the plague, though, if you want to get into that later. <laughs> We can get into that right now. I mean, what is it about Thor that you are avoiding? Um, I love Thor. I mean, he's, he's, a, he's a great guy. Um, but and someone, Alex Fast, anyone who follows him, he actually had an interesting stat that he, uh, Noah Syndergaard was actually like eighth in the league um, at uh, Woba against third time through the order, which surprised me. Um, and that just goes to show you just how talented he can be. And he always has one of the best fastballs in baseball, except – a couple of years ago, uh, you know, he obviously everyone knows that he struggled. He hasn't quite been the Thor that he was, and everyone's kind of waiting for him to get back to where he was. Um, in what is it, 20, 2015, he was in 93rd percentile of K percentage uh, in the league. 2016, 98th percentile. Then in 2017, he had a big lad injury, which everyone knows from mm-hmm. there's certain things that just take long time to recover if you come back too soon it could ruin you he had a bad lad injury in 2017 so again 2015 2016 93rd percentile 98th percentile it comes back 2018 68th percentile 2019 65th percentile and it's tied i think directly to that lad injury no one's really talking about it um i know uh, rob silver was talking about it today on twitter and i was gonna try talking to him about that i was like i was just this is something that is a big concern so whenever they talk about trading noah Syndergaard, now all the mets fans are against it as as sad it would be to trade him because he loves the city um especially we're talking fantasy baseball that's something that um i would love to dig into and try to find other pitchers that had similar lat injuries and how they performed and how long it took them to come back but there's obviously something not right with him jeremy hefner the new pitching coach for the mets is going to try to work with him but i don't know if he's just not comfortable out there or something's just not mechanically the same but ever since that lad injury just you know things aren't the same with Noah Syndergaard. so even though he's getting an adp discount i still don't think it's far enough I'm torn on him a little bit, to be honest, because like we t- we covered our SPs, and this should be coming out shortly, if not by the time you hear people listen to this. Like I said, I told you off the air, I also don't know when I'm, I'm going to figure all that out. Either way, um, my thing is, is um, all the peripherals suggest he should have been better in general last year. He had mm-hmm. his highest home run per nine since his rookie year, so he was just plagued by a long ball. But I do recall hearing somewhere, reading somewhere, he just couldn't get a feel for his pitches last year. That new ball, since the ball, the laces have been, you know, 
all but taken away from the baseball mm-hmm. feels like. Uh, I, I've heard him, I believe it was him, and I think a couple others suggesting that it's like gripping a piece of ice. They just can't get a feel for that ball. Yeah, anyone who threw a slider, um, again, uh, this is a good example just because we're talking about the Mets. Edwin Diaz, he has that monster you know, slider. Um, he said it just wouldn't break. He couldn't get a grip for it. So anyone who was really relying on that, there's quite a few pitchers who just couldn't get a couldn't get a feel, like you said, and it it bothered a lot of people. So we'll see if uh, yeah changes at all this coming season. Even though they say nothing changed with the ball. <laughs> yeah, come on, we saw the playoffs. There was hits. There was balls that were hit and not over the fence that looked like they would have cleared the fence had it been regular season. So, yep. but like you said, there's no such thing as the juice ball. Like, I, yeah, I can't buy that. So we got to know you a little bit. I still want to hear exactly. And I do this with, like, you know, our first-time guests. I like people to get a chance to hear, how did you get into fantasy baseball as a whole, the industry? And I want to hear a little more about your podcast. So maybe transition how you got started into this project of your uh, own podcast you got going on. Sure. I mean, I played fantasy baseball for uh, as long as I can remember. Um, and then uh, one year, I just decided that I kind of wanted to get into it. We don't have to get into too many personal details, but a lot mm-hmm. of people out there um, – kind of go through the same thing, like anxiety issues, you know, mental health is a big thing. So I started working from home just for, you know, for that reason. And again, everyone ever wants to talk about anxiety. That's a real thing. We don't have to get into it. We're not here to bring anyone down. But um, I was looking to do some things from home. So um, I wanted to pick that up kind of as like a hobby because I, I, you know, I work with numbers as a vocation. So I wanted to kind of get into baseball because it's just what I loved anyway. So I actually started working and writing for uh, the Daily Stash. If anyone knows that, it's a Mets blog. Um, <laughs> and uh, I haven't really checked out in a long time. I know they're still around. Uh, and I reached out to Fantasy Pros. Um, I just um, wanted to kind of get in the door there and see where I could go. So for anyone who wants to get started in the industry, Fantasy Pros, they, you know, a lot of people have like things like the news desk. That's where I hopped on. Uh, you basically take a couple of teams and you're in charge of like writing little blurbs, doing updates about the players. And that's basically how I got officially started. Um, I did a very good job. I ended up taking on like multiple teams just because I wanted to write so much. And then I quickly kind of moved on, uh, joined like uh, sports nations, fake teams. Uh, that's a great group over there. And I just kind of want to get as much, as much content as I possibly could. Uh, and I was covering both baseball and football. Uh, anyone who kind of knows any of my background knows I was with this fantasy football site, FF statistics with my friend, Addison Hayes is like a, uh, basically the metric side of fantasy football. And we, we built that from scratch. Uh, he built it in, in college, the actual data side, we built that up real big. And that's kind of where my focus has been for a while. Um, and I met, uh, my friend, Sam Lane, you may know him as FF Stompy on Twitter. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> if he the, won that video, I'll say the video with the wrestling. Uh... Yes. Yeah, so everyone knows was the guy with the singlet. He won the Scott fishbowl. Um, and, uh, you know, he's, he's also a huge baseball fan and he's a co-host of the turn two podcast. So, um, you know, I, I never had podcasts before, obviously before I was in the industry, I, I have a DFS uh, podcast and a daily fantasy football one that I did for a while. And now, you know, by now I'm like very comfortable. I host like so many shows, but uh, I really wanted to do a baseball one. Cause like I said, that's my first love. That's my passion is baseball. Uh, and that's where I, that's where my expertise is. Like if I had to say like, that's, I feel like I have a giant edge in fantasy baseball. Um, and that's where I'm the most successful. So yeah, we wanted to do a podcast there. So last year, uh, we we picked it up. Me and Sam. We just did some stuff in training camp, or sorry, spring training. <laughs> Still oh, look at you. <laughs> in, tra- yeah, in spring training, and uh, then after that, we had a lot of obligations with our site. But I was able to sell 
uh, FF statistics to another uh, place so I can focus solely and primarily on football, I should say. I still have a fantasy football consulting site, but so I'm doing the, uh, the, the uh, Turn 2 podcast again at Twitter, at Turn 2 podcast with Sam uh, Lane. And then this year we have MLB moving averages um, and uh, John from, uh, from, from uh, MLB moving averages and Andy Singleton from pretty much everywhere. He's worked just about everywhere yeah. at this point, um, joining us on the show too. So anyway, incredibly long answer to a short question, but that's how I arrived here. I think it's very interesting. And again, I genuinely enjoy hearing people's back uh, background and I hope the listeners do too. It's kind of a unique thing. A lot of people, people might listen to your work and know a lot about you, a lot about what you do, but a lot of people might not know how you got there. And I think it shows how incredibly dedicated you are to this craft. And it, people, some people just think you can roll out of bed and do this and you can, but it takes time. You have to have, you can be the best at it, but you got to really put in the work to get that notoriety and that. Um, you got to be kind. You got to be humble. Um, mm-hmm. Listen to criticism. If anyone's willing to give it to you, if anyone's ever willing to look at your work, show it to them. Um, yeah. I mentioned a couple of the places I worked. I've worked other places though, like anywhere willing to show my work or if I had, you know, sometimes you have better opportunities, you move on, but you, you know, be, be gracious about it. Give everyone, you know, I mean, you go about it a certain way and you know, just handed yourself well. I've worked at uh, fan tracks for a little bit. Uh, baseball prospectus. I was there um, working on a, a weekly article because someone had gotten sick and I had an opportunity to work with them for a summer. That was pretty cool. So, I mean, yeah, just kind of take, you know, take what work you can get, show your work around. And yeah, it's just, uh, you got to like what you do because it's to make it to, you know, quote, make it in this industry. Yeah. You have to work really hard and put in incredible hours. This isn't like a uh, sipping martinis on the beach kind of thing. You got to love what you do because you got to do a lot of it. But, you know, if you do love it, it's not really work anyway, um, even though you'd have to, you, know, you do have to do it constantly. Well, yeah, and I'm learning that the hard way. I mean, I can't say <laughs> no. And I mean, let's be honest. I mean, people might not realize because we're just comfortable behind the mic, but this is our first time actually talking. This is just goes to show you that you have to network like crazy because I literally asked you what an hour ago to do this and look at you, look at us now. So it's a matter of, and it's because we both genuinely have a passion for this and it's just fun to talk to the sport. So we, enough of the gushy stuff we can move on to um player valuations i like to hear what people do how they like to maybe draft just a little bit of strategy whatever comes to mind but in general i like to think i want to see because you're a numbers guy what do you gravitate towards when it comes to pitchers and hitters we can start with the hitter side if you'd like just some stats that really stand out to you that you prefer overall and go from there Really, I mean, it truly does depend. I mean, it's a cop-out answer. It it truly depends on the kind of hitter. Um, Mm -hmm. If you just want to, if someone like isn't really into numbers and you kind of want to get gauge what is the most important thing as far as gauging maybe the value of a player, I would tell them to skip the surface stats um, as far as uh, confidence level and go over to something like if you you go to Fangraphs, um, weighted on base average and weighted runs created plus. Um, Runs created plus is really good because it just kind of gives you the value that a player truly gives adding up tons of factors and league average is 100. It's a solid, you know, number. And for every point you are over that, that is a percentage point. You are better than the average player. Any point below that um, will show you below. So instead of digging into like K walk percentage, line drive rate, hard contact rate, swinging strike percentage, which I love and I'll get into in a second. If you just wanted a snapshot of looking at surface stats, like, Hey, this guy hit, 280 with 25 home runs and you know 10 stolen bases and you know and you want to get an idea if it's legit or not without having to dig in all that those metrics kind of give you an okay idea 
um, for anyone that kind of doesn't want to get really deep into it. Um, but that's more like, you know, almost just, it's literally a yellow light, green light, red light kind of thing. And it doesn't get into it, but things I like to look at. I mean, I know I'm home run to fly ball ratio, launch angle, hard contact rate, or like kind of like trendy things to see. But if you're looking yep. at a power hitter, there's different ways that, you know, that they're very useful. If you want to see if uh, a power breakout is real, you go in, look into someone's fly ball percentage, uh, home run to fly ball compared to their career, which is important too. A lot of people like to use BABIP and home run to fly ball ratio as a crutch sometimes. And they'll say that there's regression, positive or negative coming uh, because the number doesn't look like what they consider to be average, but there's no such thing as average in those two metrics. It's what they, how the player performs to their average is what matters. So if someone hits like a 25% home run to fly ball ratio, yeah, maybe the league average is like 12 to 15, but their average, like all throughout their career is in, you know, the 19 to 20 range, then they can keep that up. Same as Babbitt. If you're a speedy hitter, hits the ball on the ground and you can beat out a lot of singles, you're going to have a higher Babbitt. If you're a slow guy, you're not going to. So some people can maintain a 330. Some people need to maintain a 290, you know? Exactly. <laughs> but uh, yeah, there's a lot that goes into it. But um, yeah, <laughs> I guess it's, it's, it's just hard to go. I love looking at plate discipline, I guess, is a, is a thing too. If I want to see if a player's progressing, I want to get into one thing that I really consider important. Uh, you know, go into things like the swing strike rate, O swing, something that, you know, measures how many swings um, a player takes outside of the strike zone and kind of measure how they go year by year. Um, so you can see if someone without looking at them on tape, because, you know, you can't look at every single player on tape, you, you can get an idea if um, they're actually making mechanical changes or, or changes in their approach in order to get better. So I like all those things. Um, so yeah, hitting wise, I'm very heavy into metrics because there's a lot of things you can see in hitting sabermetrics that you can't on film and it kind of like you can really dig into it pitching not so much um pitching is a lot more tape in my opinion there's there's plenty of stuff like brooks baseball that you can get into how often someone throws a certain pitch and at a, after a certain date that they they mix up their that they mix up the uh, the kind of pitches they're throwing and the velocity and how hard it's being hit how much spin there is but in general, pitching is a little more, um, I think you got to look at that as a, and then we'll kind of watch to prove. And then I think hitting is more like proven by data. So hitting more data, pitching more tape. I, I, I tend to agree to a point, especially on the hitting side. I love plate discipline metrics. That's like, I, after I look at like, like you said, I'll pull, I'll pull up a player's page. I'll look at the surface stats. I'll go into, I'll look at first thing I look at K rate, walk rate, just like a, surface that like okay go look i want to see the discipline oh why and if something stands out then I, you know you start digging goes down this rapid hole but plate discipline i love seeing when there's a tangible change that kind of coincides with some production good or bad usually a lot of times it will show in the plate discipline are they were they more aggressive do they swing in do they swing more outside the zone but then had a lower and they had a lower contact rate and those are things that are just i feel like those are simple but maybe not maybe it's just because on the analyst side of things you get so used to digging into the numbers that not the average fan will look at those but I would think I, I would suggest plate discipline is a great way to kind of get into like if you want to take that next step in your in your hitter analysis, go into the plate discipline metrics. And Fangraphs offers like if you press averages, it'll show you league average. It'll show you where they fall on league averages. Now, like you said, that that varies from player to player, but it still give you an idea of if they're you know a little more, a little less, 
over the top. No, I think plate discipline is a good one to use the league average. I, I, I don't think the, what I said necessarily goes to everything. I said, uh, I think BABIP and home run fly ball ratio people, mm-hmm. I think pointing to league average for that is a mistake, but I think for dis- league d- discipline, I think it's a good one. And I mean, I, I, I tend to honestly do the same thing. I mean, unless it's like, unless you see somebody, we'll say, I think it was J.D. Davis I looked at. First off, as a Mets fan, I love him. You can speak on him if you want, but I love J.D. Davis this year. I know he's a stat cat. What did Paul Spore, I had him on, and he called him a stat cast wet dream, which was amazing. I love that terminology. When the Mets traded for him, I was like, yes. They saw something in this guy, and like when they when they announced uh, they announced him and Chili Davis, like we we think we something we can fix. I'm like, thank God, because there's something missing with this kid. And they found just, it. Yeah, and I'm I'm a huge fan of his. I think the bat is legit. I just obviously it depends on if they can keep that, get that glove improved, which I think is possible. I think defense is one of those things that you can improve with hard work. Like seeing these videos of Anduhar taking all this uh, fielding is really giving me like mm-hmm. excitement that he can take that step as a as a on the defensive side of things, which will help him get his bat in that lineup because Urshel is there. But it's a whole other discussion, and it's not it's not the Mets, so we don't need to talk about. If it. someone wants to do an experiment of how, if you want to, if anyone wants to get into how to use play discipline as much, go in and search two players. Um, whether you should believe in Aldalberto Mondesi Ugh. and if he can bounce back, and if you think uh, Jordan Alvarez is real. Check out the plate discipline for those two and tell me if you aren't pulling your hair out looking at Mondesi. Um, oh, you you oh. brought up – he's like the bane of my existence, man. I can't buy into him every year, but he's your typical – you mentioned speed and bad, but he's the guy with that elite speed skill that outperforms his metrics. Yeah. And that's why you have to know – well, it, And it's, it's ridiculous too. I mean, the defense keeps his war up, but that doesn't matter to fantasy. But the thing is with him is he's awful, right? I mean, he swings at everything and hardly makes contact. But – he still manages to get like a 260, 270 batting average with probably going to get 40, 40 stolen bases. And even though he makes weak contact, he still manages to get like, you know, two handfuls of, of uh, home runs. So even though he's awful, he's still pretty valuable. I mean, he, anyone banking on a ceiling over that is probably kidding themselves. Um, but anyone bearing him as if he's worthless, I think is also a mistake because he's a guy who um, – yeah, I mean, even though he's a terrible hitter, he's not Billy Hamilton. <laughs> I mean, he can still he can still give you enough value. He's not like a one category guy, even though he has the plate discipline of one. And I, I, because of that, I tend to find myself lower on him than consensus. Yes. and I, I got burned by Javier being on being that way with Baez. Same thing, same terrible plate <laughs> discipline. Found myself missing out on him. I think it was last year or two years ago. Either way, same thing. I was I was pounding the drum on avoiding him, and yeah, can't hit them all. But <laughs> and well, that's the thing. Like I, I feel like. I'd more often than not, not more yeah. often than not, if you avoid people like that, you'll be in good shape. Nine, nine, nine times out of ten. Nine <laughs> times out of ten for sure. But it's frustrating because I do get a bit uh, – Mondesi is a special case because with him, it's not just the bad plate discipline, but there's the health risks, not just the shoulder injury he's coming back from. But in general, those rabbits tend to get those soft tissue injuries, the, the hamstrings, the calves, the groins. Those mm. are obviously an, a, a, an extra – I mean, you can't predict injury and you can't expect it to happen but it's more likely like the likelihood of an injury to those types are definitely uh, is definitely a thing so there's certain people um that i think everyone has this certain people you just cross off your list when you're doing a draft like just eliminate them from your queue almost like i'm just not drafting this person and he's one of them for me especially we're talking about plate discipline uh the things like we talked about like the the swinging strike percentage and the the o swing like are the yes. contact contact rate the the year he just had, I mean, he's been around for a few years. He is the worst. He was just coming off the worst he's done in either area. So, I mean, I just, I just don't see any reason for him to improve. I mean, he'd have to 
and anything like these are you're predicting the future based on what we've seen therefore if he does something different obviously um things can change so you know whatever he'll he'll make an adjustment and people will be like you're an idiot for saying that i'm like well i can't predict he was going to make a change but you're basically looking at what he's done in the past and growing until now and saying all right there's no signs of improvement therefore we're avoiding him so you need him to recreate himself uh into something we haven't seen yet for him to change so that's why you can kind of confidently use the data you have to be down on him <laughs> well and i'm i'm 110 with you i can't I, I i couldn't agree more to be honest it's i'm yeah we are we are in lockstep on that one so as far as pictures go you mentioned the eye test or more of more of an eye watching video but see i actually try to use the data mm-hmm. to trigger me to go look at video because i look for like you mentioned my big thing i love velocity change i love pitch mix change so for someone yes. like for instance, I just wrote a deep dive up on Discafani, and I realized mid-season, you know, I looked at first and second half splits stand out to me, and then I went from there and looked into what changed. Found that he had a pitch mix change. Cool, I went to watch tape. There was really no tangible change, so then I went to the heat maps, and it's, you see how the rabbit hole goes for one player, and I'm sure you do the same thing, so it's not really a surprise to you, but I like to try to let the, the – I mean, don't get me wrong. I'm sure I've missed some stuff because I don't watch tape, but I was what I went to look for was maybe there was a mechanical change that changed with the pitch pitch mix just the because you never know because I saw a couple of his pitches pretty much all of them actually increased in RPM in the second half which suggests a grip change or an arm slot change of some sort you know some type of change like that couldn't see one from the video I did get my hands on still looking but something happened I think maybe Bauer got his hands on because Bauer's you know the tinker and, and he's all about RPMs and all about that stuff so maybe Bauer showed him a thing or two and he went over there because yeah. if you if you actually look at that curveball in particular, and the slider even went up in RPM, but the curveball jumped up like three or four hundred in RPM, and with it, I'm surprised he threw it less. But man, it was it was amazing. And I'm sorry, I'm getting off topic, but other than I, I, no, I, I still <laughs> I still love. I mean, I love data for pay. I love data in general for everything. Oh, I, think, I know. I'm just saying. But, um, like, I was yeah, trying to think I mean, of like, what do you use the? Well, I guess what I'm trying to ask is how do you use like do you look what do you look for i guess uh, just in the video and obviously on the data data side of things data side whatever you want to call it data data my wife and i debate which way to say it all the time so so i love doing player profiles like i said right now i'm doing a series of hitters on mm-hmm. twitter um i've done like eight or nine now and i i do like in-depth breakdowns where i put things out and i'm very confident in what i'm putting out i think pitchers take a little more time because i don't feel confident going into brooks baseball baseball savant looking at some things um, and then making a judgment call. I like to use them and go back and look at some mm-hmm. scouting and some tape. Um, and usually during the year, especially in season um, decisions, I like to like, you know, when I look at a pitcher and you look at their numbers, then I like to go investigate kind of the way, you know, we did with hitters, you know, you go in and, and you try to see, you know, what has he done differently? You know, does, you know, the different mix-ups, you know, is he, did he do anything different in spring training where, you know, you actually do research into uh, actually interviews and things that like, you know, things that maybe he's been working on. And then you, cause there's so many things you can look at in pictures, like the different axes, the different, you know, uh, the the different spin rates. Um, So I kind of like to um, start with kind of watching them pitch and then uh, go in and kind of use the uh, the data to kind of lead me in a certain direction. But yeah, you can see uh, from year to year, like, you know, velocity changes is obviously an obvious thing. But yeah, the RPMs is a big deal now. You can see different placements. Um, and th- there's just a lot of stuff that goes into it, how they, you know, how they do in different counts, sometimes, to, you know, throwing to different catchers. Um, so there's just a lot more um, that can go into a pit, it's how about this this is the best way for me to say it. it's easy to just look at data 
and give a bad conclusion on a pitcher (laughs) or not a bad one. How about a, uh, maybe a, uh, a misguided one. Yeah. Because if, if you look at like three things and you miss a fourth thing, that fourth thing in the data can completely change what you would have thought. Cause there's just so many different things that you can look into because there's so many things that they measure for pitchers. I love and loathe pitchers all in the same breath, honestly. And <laughs> up until recently, I was not nearly as confident in my pitcher analysis, but I, you mentioned fan tracks. That's where I happen to get picked up by. And I've been writing for them going on like eight or nine months now. And for them, I did my top 100 and I gave a blurb about every pitcher. So instead, I don't want to be misinformed. So I took my time and really dug into most of them. And because of that, I mean, between doing that and just Chamberlain's, I don't know if you ever if you had a chance to even play with that chart, but Alex Chamberlain has an amazing like chart that he put together for pitchers. And honestly, I started playing on that and now it's like I'm addicted. It's like a toy to me. There's data for days. And that's how I found all these changes in Descafani and how I continue to find these fun little things. And that is something that I always recommend to everybody, analysts or no analysts. Like if you've never played on that chart and you like numbers, that chart is a chart you've got to check out. So again, I don't know your familiarity with it, if you played with it, but if you haven't, take the time, you will love it. Because it will, you will find things that you didn't realize were findable. At least for me, that's how, that was my experience. So, No, I am familiar. I love all that. Awesome. I mean, pretty much any kind of metric. I mean, I mean, even this doesn't have much to do with fantasy. Baseball Savant just came out with a, you know, was it, uh, uh, what is it? their new defensive metric it's like defense yeah i saw something about outs over outs above average and i've just been messing with that like crazy (laughs) see i haven't looked at that but i love it and that's something but problem is is i i like you mentioned this is very time consuming but the second i find something so interesting i drop everything i have to do as far as like time sensitive stuff podcasts writing and i'll spend like an hour or two on it and i'm like oh that set me it sets me back so i try not to but now that you mentioned that this is interesting I know me after this, I'm going to get off this and start playing with that. And I'm going to lose all this time. I could have done something else with. So thank you for the, for the productive slash unproductive time. You probably just put me in. <laughs> and uh, one thing, cool thing is uh, with pitching is you can compare comparing people is good to predict a, a breakout. Um, I know uh, Jorge de Montanez, uh, if anyone knows him, I wrote Nino on uh on oh, Twitter. Oh, wrote, uh, that, that's, that's, uh, he's one of our co-hosts. That's uh, Jay Mont. It's, it's, it's uh, George Montanez. Oh, George. I'm sorry. No, no, it's okay. It's, it's spelled Jorge, and I text him whore-hey all the time. Yeah. That's yeah. How, <laughs> but he I actually was, George. I was, I was working on something, and then he actually tweeted out something that completely blew it up. So thank you for having me ruin my time, uh, George, because <laughs> you blew it up. But he just suggested that the who could be this year's Shane Bieber, uh, and he said it's Joe Musgrove. Um, and I, and I couldn't agree more. I don't know if he's going to be Shane Bieber, but if you're looking for like those cheap, I know I mentioned, I think Stroman could be due for a big bounce up, but I love, uh, Joe Musgrove this year for the same reason, comparing the two, um, you know, he had the, the you know, the trend, the swing strike rate is all going in the, the right direction, the low contact rate. Um, and he, you know, he can, he can get people to swing and miss 30, 35 and a half percent O swing. Um, so, you know, just looking at that, um, you got to be able to like kind of be familiar with the pitcher a little, a little bit, but uh, yeah, I, I think that the, he is a guy as far as pitching goes, that uh, would be a, a good way to use uh, metrics to kind of uh, investigate a player and see, you know, trends from year to year. It's obviously harder. It's very hard to use data to um, on younger pitchers because you kind of need it for comparison for track record. Um, so if you don't do scouting for minor leagues, you're really not getting anything for pitchers. I mean, in hitters, they don't, they don't measure like hard contact or, 
or a bunch of things that you really want for minor league hitters either, but there is still a ton of data on them. So that's a main reason too why I, I like um, scouting pitchers as well through video is there's just not as much data on them and, um, and you kind of are excited about young pitchers and there's just not as much to, to put out there. So you're basically like using a bunch of small sample sizes, which of course are the devil sometimes. <laughs> So this transitions perfect into that. So Musgrove is one of your guys. Are there a couple other pitchers you really are liking this year that you might be targeting once you get into drafts? Uh, to be honest, um, I haven't dug too deep into pitching so far this year. I've been, been focusing mainly on hitting. So as far as like deep guys that I'm very confident in, I don't have too many. Um, I know uh, Anthony Descafani um, is a guy I'm interested in, but I don't have any data here <laughs> to really back up anything. So rather than like kind of mindlessly talk out of my, uh, you know what, um, <laughs> I, I I think I will just talk. I just talk about hitting on the podcast definitely. today. But. No, definitely no uh, no issues there. Honestly, again, this was sprung on you last minute, so I apologize for catching you off guard. But with that being said, let's go over because I, I I have seen your hitters. I think I've retweeted one or two of your. Uh, threads you put up so i actually do enjoy them because i do deep dives for fan tracks and they're very similar you pretty much take them and put them into tweet versions so i'm a big fan of them who are a few hitters that you were just enamored with this year then we can go that route enamored um here's <laughs> one i have not i've not done a profile on Corey seager this guy is criminally underappreciated um in last year i mean even though like no one seems to remember that he was around he was he was fairly healthy last year after not starting the season in the major leagues uh he ended the season with uh let me check right now 489 at bats um he ended with 19 home runs 82 runs 87 rbis batting 272 87 rbis are a career high now maybe that's not the uh the uh the numbers you remember from uh, a healthy um, Corey Seager, he batted 308 in 2016, 295 in 2018, and hit 26, 22 home runs. Uh, he was never going to be much of a base dealer, but he's one of those guys like a death by a million paper cuts. He's just kind of good <laughs> everywhere. Uh, but if you look in 19 home runs, if you actually extrapolate out his season, he ended up with around, he would have ended up around 3120 in the power department. And there was actually, um, you look at 272 and, his, and he has 303 BABIP, you're thinking, oh, maybe the BABIP's low because he's usually in the 352, 355 range. This is where assuming that gets you into trouble. Um, the, there's nothing fluky about the power, actually. He had a 42.3% hard contact rate and he increased his fly balls from 39 uh, at to 39.2, usually sitting around 29%, 30%. And his launch angle went up from about 10 to 14 he, by design, decided to hit more balls in the air and drive the ball out of the ballpark, and he sacrificed batting average to do it. Um, so now, instead of being the three, oh, you know, the three hundred twenty-two eighty guy, um, he is trying to be a, a more of a power hitter. Um, just by again by design, a lot of people are doing you know launch angle revolution and and all that. People are are into that now. But uh, I am excited for him going forward because again he was healthy. They keep trying to trade him for some reason, and he has, still has that Gold Glove defense. So um, you know no matter where he ends up, you know he'll probably be fine. So I instead of expecting the power to come down and the batting average to go up, I expect his batting average to kind of sit in the 275, 280 range. But like I said, he was on pace for 30 and 120. So I think that uh, this kind of, um, I was talking to Chris Towers on Twitter about this, that he thought that maybe a, a Freddie Freeman type breakout was coming. I don't know that I buy into the average going back up 
and the home run sticking because I think he gave up a little to gain in another. So, but I think the power is completely legitimate and you can get him super late in drafts. So someone no one's really talking about. Corey Seager seems like a boring player, but I think he could be having the best year of his career in 2020 and no one's talking about him. Yeah, I'm one of the people down on him, but you maybe convinced me to take a second look and maybe uh, give him a second second chance. I just shortstop. It just what hurts him is that the position is just arguably arguably the deepest in fantasy. I actually think it helps because I think he can wait and just kind of scoop him up when everyone's asleep. <laughs> that is true. Well, it helps his value, but I'm saying that's what hurts. It might, it might it's what's hurting people's outlook on him. That and obviously the mediocre past uh, pre, uh, recent uh, recent performances and there's always recency bias that is like essentially what fantasy baseball has become recency mm-hmm. bias so fueled by it is and um is there another name or two you want to talk about yeah uh, i love i did do a thread on austin meadows um I saw that. yeah i like him a ton i mean um he again death by a thousand paper cuts i already said that already but uh the thing about him is he, he really contributes everywhere i mean after you know that horrible trade with the pirates where they gave up literally everything for a player that's never going to help him in Chris Archer. Um, he batted 291, 33 home runs, 12 stolen bases for the Rays, which the power, if you followed him in the minors, he always was highly touted as a hitter, but not much so in the power department. People thought he'd be more like a 10, 20 guy maybe, uh, but they didn't think the 33 home runs would be a big deal. But he also actually made a conscious decision to change his swing. He ended up hitting – I want to say like, here, actually I have the number in front of me somewhere. He ended up hitting most of his uh, home runs like uh, after a certain date in August. I can't remember what it was, but he did it mostly by pulling the ball. And that's actually what happened. He decided to put more balls in the air and to try to just pull everything and, and hit it out of the park. His, his pull rate for last year was 45.1, which is usually down in like the lower 30s. And his, his fly ball rate shot up to 42.9. And his hard ball, hard uh, contact rate shot up from 37 to 45. So um, this guy uh, is someone who I think that he is going to stick with his high batting average. Uh, and because of his speed, he can uh, kind of maintain that 330-ish BABIP that he had. Maybe it comes down a little bit, but uh, I think the power is actually pretty real. I'm not projecting him to get any better, but I think that this is kind of who he is. Which is Um, fantastic. (laughs) Yeah, which is fantastic. He's maybe not elite anywhere, but he's very good. Um, I said, I think the BABIP will come down a little bit. His, His career norm isn't quite where it was, so instead of 291, bring him down to like 280. 275 but still 30 home runs 90 runs 90 rbis maybe you know like maybe 13 15 stolen bases so if anyone's wondering like if you should invest to him where he's going which he is going in like third fourth round he's going he's kind of going early but he's really worth it because i i don't have any concerns with him i think it's just boring stuff that you're taking to the bank he's he's almost like a i don't know a mini AJ Pollock, except he's not going to be injured. <laughs> so yeah, and no, I'm trying to think of a good comp as well. And like I thought, Fam, but like Fam steals more, hits less home runs. One guy I, I also like, I think, is a good comp is uh, Raymond Laureano. Oh yeah, yeah, Laureano. Uh, but uh, he had uh, a couple of injuries last year. You may have, you may be worrying about, but he's a similar player. Uh, not the track record. And he made a lot of adjustments to, to become who he was last year. But he was highly touted, and he's another guy that just kind of gives you a little bit in every category. So he's another guy I really like this year. I'm not as confident, and you're, you, but you're getting the discount 
in exchange for your confidence with Loriano. So if you miss out on Meadows and you just kind of want to fill your team with these guys that go across the board, then, you know, I think that uh, there are a couple of really good options. I, I do like, I do like me some Meadows. I was big on them last year and go figure uh, your buddy Roto Nino over there that you brought up earlier. He was the huge Meadows guy on this podcast last year. And mm-hmm. so maybe you guys have more in common than you realize. Might have to line all three of us up on a podcast. Let you guys talk about that one. But, Cause he's over here messing up your articles, but. Uh, oh, we can talk about one more. You want to talk about one more player? Yeah, sure. If you got one more shoot, man. One more. Uh, Kevin Biggio. Okay. Uh, uh, he horrifies people and excites people because he's got like this 20, 28% strikeout rate, but he's also got a 16.5 walk rate. Yeah. It's beautiful. It, it's yeah. It's insane. Right. I mean, he, he had a low batting average, but he still, he had 16 home runs, 14 stolen bases. Um, still all with that. He, he ended up with like a 343 Woba, 114 runs created plus second base is, is pretty deep and it has a lot of talent in it. Um, you can't really go wrong, but in, if um, there's so many guys later in the draft uh, that uh, if you miss out early, if you like really wanted Ozzy Albies or anyone like, you know, Kiston Hira, um, then yeah, I think uh, Biggio is one of those guys on that incredibly talented Blue Jays team um, that uh, I would take a, a serious look at. It's, it's definitely boom or bust. You got to see what happens with that strikeout rate. But for, for as much as everyone's making of the 230 batting average and the 28% strikeout rate, the 16% walk rate is much more impressive to me because the strikeouts can be worked on. Um, and it's probably a matter of aggressiveness if you look into plate discipline. But the 16.5 walk rate, uh, you can't really teach at the major league level. So uh, I just think it's one of those guys that we'll have to see. But that's an encouraging sign where he's a guy that if he fixes that K percentage, uh, he could shoot up in value tenfold and um, kind of outshine most of the other guys on that team. And he's one of the rare as far as like stolen base options because that's what he's become is like one of those power speed mix mix guys. Mm-hmm. He's one of the rare ones that you would actually target in points in OBP leagues compared to avoiding because yeah. a lot of guys with speed, you know, speed tends to lose a little bit of value in those formats, but he actually gains value in those formats because like you mentioned, that walk rate is absurd. Not mine to so. see. Oh goodness. <laughs> I, I can't dude. You and I are the same. I, I could talk about how much I don't like Montessi or as, as a fantasy player, as a fantasy option for like a whole hour. So I don't want to get back sucked into that. Cause all I'll do is I'll just keep repeating. I'll keep repeating myself until I'm blue in the face. And I will, and I was wrong. I, I was, I, I called myself wrong last year until he got hurt, but I might be wrong again. Cause I'm not taking him where he's at. And people, people like people are saying, you know, Matheny isn't so much of a factor because they're, they're, they're citing his past that his teams didn't really have the elite speed options. I'm not sure. Like, I, I, if I remember correctly, he had Colton Wong and Fam, both of which are, are pretty solid steals guys. So it's like, I don't know how much I buy into that, but the, the Matheny effect, is it real? I don't know. I don't want to chance it. And then with his poor plate discipline, the shoulder injury, I'm just finding more and more reasons to – here, I'm going to confuse everyone further to end the show. Okay. This is, I did the whole thread on Alberto Mondesi on, on Twitter. This is the mm-hmm. last page of it. What to expect from Mondesi. And this is me after saying what we did. I'm pretty much ripping him for like 25 tweets. My projection is 556 at-bats. If he gets those, batting 252 with 14 home runs and 52 stolen bases. Oh. <laughs> and I'm like, why are you ripping him? I put, because he's an insane risk. And unless you're desperate, I, there's much safer ways to get your stolen bases. I'd rather go. But if he gets those at-bats, even with all of his poor metrics, he's still – and people point to Mike Matheny, how they didn't steal, the, 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 didn't steal any bases in St. Louis. I, I don't buy into that as much because they had no one who could steal bases 
in St. Louis. So, I mean, maybe it's a problem, but I'm not really investing into that theory quite yet. But um, it's funny. It's just, I don't like Monesty at all, but he's still going to produce. <laughs> oh, I'm a hundred. That's the thing. I'm with you. I, I know there's a, like, that's the thing. It's, it bothers the hell out of me because I am very much that thought, that line of thought. Cause I'm like, I don't want him, but 15 and 50 is very realistic. That's a Trey Turner numbers. That's the thing. Or Trey mm-hmm. Turner, probably better power, but you get the idea. It's like, by the way, Trey Turner in the first round. No, thank you. I'm, uh, I'm okay with it. I'm okay with it. I'm, I'm not, risk averse. I should say I, I can get behind the thought process, but I, I'm just, you know, I just talked by the death of the thousand paper cut strategy. So I'm obviously very, risk <laughs> very, very fair. So we're going to head out of here real quick. Plug everything. Cause you have a lot going on. Uh, yeah. Uh, follow me on Twitter. at Matt Williams, M A T T W I seven, seven I M S follow us on the, the turn Two podcast at turn Two podcast, uh, on Twitter. Uh, we are working on just getting it onto Apple and uh, um, what do you call it? Google and everywhere that should be done by the time this airs. Um, and as far as, yeah, I, um, I do all the player profiles for free on Twitter. If you have any you know, one that you want highlighted, go ahead and uh, send me a DM or a message. I always take requests. Uh, thanks for having me on the show. Oh no, my pleasure, man. And again, I, um, it wasn't expected, but this turned out to be a really fun podcast, at least for myself. So I'm glad you joined me. And for the rest of everyone listening, just if you want to follow me on Twitter as well, it's uh, at Mike underscore Curland. The podcast is our, our base load podcast is at base loaded pod. And until next time, everybody, we appreciate listening and we'll talk to you soon. Bye.